Good morning, saints. Good morning, morning sinners. This morning, I'm going to uh, have, have two brief scripture passages I'm going to read there. One is in the bulletin and on the screen. The other is not. And the one that's not, don't sweat in the back. You're going to go, oh my God, I got to pull it up. No, 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 don't do that. I just want you to listen to this first text. Um, it is coming from the book of Leviticus. And it's, it's one of those obscure texts. The book of Leviticus is kind of a, a compendium of the Jewish law of how we as a community will operate with each other, relate with each other. And so here is just a brief text from Leviticus chapter 13, 45 and 46. It says, The person who has a leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has this disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And then our text today from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Hear the word of the Lord as Jesus is making his way to Passover. Beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through a region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. And keeping their distance, they called out, Jesus! Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself put his face in the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this alien, this non-Jew? And then Jesus said to him, Get up. Literally, it's the same word that is used for Jesus when he rises from the tomb. It means rise, resurrect, get up. Resurrect, he says. Your faith has saved you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. My mama was a bit eccentric. And she would be eccentric to the point where she would be a uh, living example of uh, life lessons for us. Um, She gave dynamic lessons through hyperbole with the way she acted. All five foot, one inch of her. 
One Father's Day comes to mind. The six of us, I have two older brothers and an older sister and myself, and so the six of us, uh, mom, dad, me, and the, and the other sibs, were, we, we, had, we had come to the table for a Sunday dinner, Father's Day Sunday dinner. And um, when mom said, time for dinner, we all came running. Uh, my mom had busted her tail since before sunrise that morning trying to pull together this dinner for, for my dad and for the rest of us to enjoy on that Father's Day. And by the time we got back from church, uh, you could just smell the house, and it just had this heavenly smell, and we knew it was coming. So when the dinner bell rang, we all just came like locusts. We just kind of devoured the table, what was there. It was incredible. Um, I think it was lamb that we had that day. And um, we all just kind of tore into the meal. And then when we were all done, we just kind of got up and uh, went into the other room to watch a football game with a tryptophan laced, you know, uh, and, and we were just kind of checked out. And a few minutes later, we heard from the other room some sobbing and a crash. We heard tears or crying and plates hitting the floor. And so all of us ran into the kitchen to see what was going on. There was dad, there was my older brother, Bard, Michelle, Paul, and me. And we're standing there just kind of Oh my God, what happened? And there was mom. She, she, she was scraping plates onto the floor, dropping the plates onto the floor, breaking them. And when the full audience had gathered, my mom stopped, she wiped her eyes, And she said, you know what? I've been killing myself to make this day special for this family. I went out of my way before sunrise to get up and make this meal for you and this family. So that by the time we got back from church, we could all sit down and have a nice meal together. But you know what? Each of you came home from church grumpy, griping. You ate your dinner. Didn't even talk to each other while you ate. You got up from your seats and you just walked out and left the room and went to do your own thing without so much as a single thank you, Mom, for the dinner. Furthermore, none of you cleaned up your dishes after the table and you just simply assumed that I would clean up after you because that's what moms do. Well, you need to know that train has stopped. And with that, she wiped her eyes again, washed her hands, walked out the door. And all of us stood there, jaws. And without saying anything, we all went and started our routines, clearing the table, washing all the plates, putting them in the dishwasher, washing the pots, cleaning off the counters, Sweeping the floor, mopping the floor, taking out the trash. And looking back, I realized there was something much deeper going on between my mom and dad at that time. And I was not mature enough to understand at that time. But I do know 
is that my siblings and I failed someone we loved. Through our dynamic ingratitude. We failed to say thank you. We took what my mom did for granted. And the result is that it deeply hurt her. So if I'm ever at your house for dinner or for coffee or something like that, and you see me pick up my dish and take it to your kitchen, don't say, don't just leave that, I'll get it, because I won't let you. I will clear my plate. I will place it in your sink and rinse it out. My mama taught me that. She taught me to say thank you. She taught me to show appreciation for what others do for me. She taught me what it means to feel taken for granted and underappreciated. She taught what it means to show gratitude. Beloved, this is what our story is about today. That's what our text is about today. Jesus has been up north near the Sea of Galilee doing his ministry there, preaching, teaching, and healing. And he is heading down south towards Jerusalem, um, which is about 65, 70 miles for Passover. Um, He was going through a region that uh, skirted the the country known as Samaria. S-A-M-A-R-I-A not Sumeria like the Persians, but Samaria. He was going through a region that skirted Samaria, which for the Jew was an unclean place. You see, the Samaritans were posers. They were not the real deal. And these feelings went back centuries to the time of the Jewish kings when David died and the kingdom of Israel split into half with the southern kingdom known as Judah, with its capital in Jerusalem, with the temple, and the northern kingdom became the nation of Israel. And they both worshipped in different places, with different nuances to their communities. And the people in the south, in Judah, they thought that the people in the north weren't doing it right. And you can read all about this in the Bible in, verse, in, in books 1 and 2 Kings. Whopping good tales. 1 and 2 Kings. The people in Judah felt that the people of the north sold out. Their worship was inferior. They were unreconciled to God. They did not follow the real edicts of the law. They were seen as those people who lived less than a holy life and who failed to follow the good Jewish tradition. And it's at this point where Jesus appears in our story. He's in a country his Jewish neighbors growing up taught him were not good people. But thank goodness Jesus did not listen to his neighbors growing up. He enters a village. When from a distance he is assailed by ten men who are lepers. Now, technically, leprosy, they call every skin disease back then leprosy. Um, if there was an open sore or something like that, um, you were examined by a priest and you were declared a leper, you were sent out of the camp, as we learned 
in Leviticus. You lived alone, away from community. They were dirty. They were unclean. They were faced with scorn. They were separated from their social structure, which could help them. And indeed, if they were suffering from actual leprosy, or what we call today Hansen's disease, they suffered from an illness that destroyed the very nerve endings on their body's extremities. That's what leprosy does. You know, when I used to watch Ben-Hur and all that stuff on Charlton Heston and they saw the lepers, you'd think, well, it's just when their arms get yucky and drop off or something. No, that's not it. Leprosy, Hansen's disease, means that your nerve endings fail to receive sensation. So if you're a young child and you live in a, in a village and you're standing around the fire, in fact, you're standing in the fire, you don't feel the fire burning. And then you look down and you realize you've lost your foot. That's what leprosy does. It deadens sensation. If you had this... This disease became your identity. This illness was your identity. No longer did people see you as a bona fide person, a child of God. You are a person that must deserve God's scorn, is what was thought. And these are the ten men who came and hollered at Jesus, Have mercy on us, son of David. Now, it's interesting to note that there is no explicit request for healing in this story. They just want to be noticed. They just ask for mercy. They just wanted to be cared for. They, want to, they longed for love. They wanted to be accepted by somebody. And Jesus knows all too well that these men need what they need and simply tells them, dudes, go to the priests. Show yourself to the priests. It's going to be okay. Go. They turn and leave, and as they go, they are made well. They are made whole. They are cleansed or cleaned. They're embraceable again. They're back in community again. They're thrilled. They've been shown mercy, but none of them stopped to say the two magic words, which are, except one, a Samaritan at that, one of those foreigners, one of those non-Jews, the one considered to be an alien is the only one who came back running to Jesus, literally throwing himself on the ground in front of Jesus' feet to show gratitude. And he did this because he realized he received a gift. And if you read and read the story closely, you will see that the Samaritan who comes back and thanks Jesus receives a gift the other nine did not get. He receives a gift that the other nine did not receive. You see, there are, there are two words used in our text this morning to describe being cleansed or whole. 
When the ten were made clean, they were, they were made whole. They were cleansed. It was a purification type thing. The word that Jesus uses, however, in verse 19 is the same word that's used for salvation. It also means to clean. It also, be means, it also means to be made whole. It also means to be saved. And when he says, rise up, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. The man re- receives a gift. The other nine did not. He received the gift of reconnection to God. How? Expressing gratitude. Friends, there is a direct relationship with one's faith and one's expression of thankfulness and gratitude. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual issue. It's one thing to be made clean. It's entirely something else to be made truly whole and reunited and reconnected to God. We're not ten made clean, Jesus asked. We're the other nine. Well, brother, I tell you what. Get up and go home. Your faith has made you whole and saved and restored to God. Begin your new life right now. Professor of Columbia Seminary, Kimberly Bracken Long, writes, quote, The practice of gratitude intentionally changes an individual life, to be sure. She says it also changes the character of a congregation. When Christians practice gratitude, she says, they come to worship not just to get something out of it, but to give thanks and praise to God first and foremost. She says stewardship is transformed from just fundraising and paying the bills to an expression of glad gratitude of joyful givers for all that God has done for them. And the mission of the church changes from just doing ethical duty to doing the work of hands and feet of Jesus. In other words, she says, the Samaritan demonstrates a mature faith because it is a faith that is enwrapped with gratitude. It's a mature faith because it's a faith that is wrapped with gratitude that she shares back. You know, there's an old saying that says, two out of three ain't bad. Or in the case of today, one out of ten is not bad. Yeah, it is. All the lepers had the opportunity to express gratitude to God, but only one came back to say thanks. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Last fall, my first stewardship, trusteeship time with this church, I said, well, how many pleasures do we have this year? And I was told we had 18 but 18 people make an estimate of giving card, two of whom were your pastors. 18 out of 1,100, 1,100, that's not too bad, is it? 
Two out of three isn't bad. Nine out of ten. One out of ten ain't bad. Yeah, it is. Friends, we are asking for everyone to show through an act of gratitude that you're committed to supporting the church this year, the ministry of Christ through this place. So last year after our campaign, we had a couple of hundred people who made an estimate of giving. That's great. Still only two out of three. Why can't all of us just say, I'm going to give something? Friends, our giving back to God with what God has blessed us with is a spiritual issue that measures the depth of one's faith. Yep. Believe it or not, it's one of the measures of our faith. It's a way we show the Lord our gratitude for coming alongside of us, showing us the way. So how deep or how shallow is your faith in mine as a church? Are we all in? Or do we simply expect God to bless us because, you know, that's what God does? Like taking my mama for granted. Do we just take God for granted? Do we fail to show a love and appreciation back to God? I realize today that telling my mama thank you for a great dinner and just cleaning up my plate from the table would have just shown her loads of gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation. The Samaritan leper showed his appreciation by saying, I'm all in. Jesus, thank you. How shall we show ours? The Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts. Pray with me. Almighty God, as we come this day, we give you thanks. Continue to shine light in our life, O God, helping us to show gratitude and grace and appreciation for all the blessings you have poured in our life. O Lord, help us show that gratitude that we may truly feel the embrace of God. Lord, it's not the amount just the act of giving gratitude with grace and gratitude. Oh, Lord, we love you. Hold our hand and enable us to, to be a blessing for others. In Christ's name, amen.